Hey, before we get into the message, I want to take a moment and tell you about something special happening here at Union. We are in the middle of our Limitless Initiative. As a church, we're beginning construction on our headquarters in Bowie, Maryland. This is a state-of-the-art facility that will seat 2,400 people and serve as the central hub of all things Union Church. Our vision is to launch more campuses in both the DMV and beyond, ensuring that there's a life-giving community within driving distance of as many people as possible. Hey, would you consider partnering with our Limitless Initiative? 100% of your contribution will go directly to our mission of uniting people to purpose and helping people know a God that loves them more than they can imagine. Here's what I know. God doesn't respond to our giving. God responds to our obedience. Will you spend time praying? Ask God what he would have you give and obey. And as you do, he's gonna respond with immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. You can give by clicking on the link in the description or going to theunionchurch.com forward slash limitless. All right, let's jump into today's message. I'm excited. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. If you got it, somebody say, yeah. yeah. It says this. Then he brought him outside. He is God. Him is Abraham. God brought Abram outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars. By the way, if you think, I'm, I'm going to preach this next week. If you think God is some boring, stuffy, old, just no joy type of person, you're not reading your Bible correctly. God is more sarcastic. He is funnier. He is more ignorant than you could ever imagine. He brings Abram outside and he says, count the stars if you're able to. He flexed them. Because here's what happened. Abraham would get out there and, and he'd go, one, two, three. And God's just like, I'm going to create two more. <laughs> Four or five. Here goes 20 more. He's like, you can't count. There are so many stars. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram, somebody said, I believe God. He believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abram had zero children. His wife was unable to have any kids. And God says, you're going to have more descendants than you can count in the stars. Abram said, that's some faith to believe what God says, even though you have zero evidence in the natural then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought these animals all to God, and God cut them into down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. We'll get to this at the end of the message. Blood is what defined a covenant. Aren't y'all glad that we get to get things notarized nowadays? You just got to sign something, get a little stamp, and it's, yeah, yeah. Notary today is blood in the Bible. Something got to die if there's contract. You imagine, I'm all, I got to read this Bible. Can you imagine you buying a house? You at the title company closing out, and they're like, all right, we got to sign for this. Who's going to bleed? <laughs> so he cuts all the animals. And watch this. When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Don't forget about those vultures. We're going to preach them in the end. Verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. How many people know if God makes a promise, he's probably going to keep it? If, listen, 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 listen. The bank, you know, they write you a little car loan or whatever it may be. They ain't sure you're going to pay that back. They, they ain't real confident. But, but if God makes a promise, a lot of people don't realize this. This is God's covenant to us. You know the Old Testament means the old covenant 
and the New Testament means the new covenant? God said, if I put it in here, on my blood, <laughs> on my hood, I look. he said, you can bet I'm going to do it. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, we join with the angels in singing holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But God, what's wild is you're not just in heaven. God, you're in this room right now. Because you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be also. God, there's more. There's a lot more than two people here, which means, God, you're here. And God, if you're here, healing is here. Freedom is here. Joy is here. Freedom from addiction is here. God, I say, do what only you can do. And God will be ever so careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And by the way, God, thank you for defeating Joe Flacco last night. We were a little worried about him. In Jesus' name we pray. Can I get a Ravens fan to say a... Come on. We're going to the Super Bowl, but I was worried about Joe Flacco, man, because that revenge is best served cold. Sheesh. Hey, if you're new, we like to laugh here, okay? We ain't really stuffy and religious, so if that offends you, if you don't believe in praying for football, it's probably why you're a Redskins fan or a Commanders fan or whatever y'all call yourselves nowadays. Stay, I need to behave, right? I need to behave. All right, let's preach, let's preach. We're in a sermon series called, and the word became flesh. The word be, we're talking about the power of God's word in our lives. Pop quiz. How many people read your Bible this week? Read your Bible this week? Read your Bible? Let's go. Awesome. If you haven't, that's all right. You got week number two. And I realized I preached an entire message about reading the Bible. And I didn't even tell you we have free Bibles at every single location. So if you don't have a physical NIV Bible on the way out the door in all the lobbies. Okay, I lied. They're not free. Uh, you paid for them with your tithes and offerings already. It was your money at bottom, so it's whatever. So you can take them and you don't got to pay twice for them. Is that cool? you don't have a Bible, make sure you grab it. But we're talking about the Word of God and how God's Word can transform our lives. To kind of set up this thought or set up this idea, the thought or the analogy came to me of an infant learning how to walk. You, you ever seen a baby, maybe a nine-month-old, if they're an overachiever, a 10-month-old, or some of y'all firstborns are like, Mom, Dad, you're going to carry me my entire life. I, I ain't never learned to walk. I got an 18-month-old can't walk. I got an 18-year-old that you are still carrying through life. But have you ever watched that process of an infant learning how to walk? They, they don't just start running. It starts with that first day where they realize everybody around me is using their two feet. And I'm here crawling around. I'm done with this. Have you ever seen your baby the first time, maybe on a sofa or maybe in a crib, as they pull themselves up the stand? It looks like Bane from the Batman movie pulling himself out of that cave. That baby's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> y'all gonna find out. I'm crazy. And as that baby's standing, it look like they're doing the stanky leg because they can't really, they just, they're trying to figure their whole balance thing out. And then after they figure it out, now they want to take some steps. So they're going to hold on to that sofa, that coffee table, and they're going to, they're going to start making their way along the path of where they can hold on to things. Because when you first start something out, you're a little wobbly, you're a little shaky. You need something to hold on to. So that you can make progress. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching already. He's preaching already. I don't know where he's going with this, but he's going somewhere. I think he's preaching already. We have three kids. Our youngest, too, she's been running and walking for a while. But I remember when she was just learning how to walk, she would get to the end of the sofa. And there's like a four-foot gap between the sofa and the coffee table. And you would see her look at the gap and look, I can't walk without holding on to something. She's like, I think I can make it. I think I can make it. And she'll lunge and she kind of just let go of the sofa and, and two steps and she's down. Because I'm at the place where my balance isn't quite there yet. I've got to hold on to something and walk. But then after a while, they mature to the place where I've got balance figured out. I don't got to hold on to walk anymore. I can now walk on my 
own. It's a problem when a kid learns how to walk on their own because they can walk, but they're so... And you want to go to where you want to go. And that kid's like, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> Especially my two-year-old. Her deal now is she wants to walk up the stairs. And homie's slow. And if we're going up the stairs, that means I'm putting you to bed. Which means I'm excited. Let's go. Like that, she, she could talk to daddy. Let me do it. Let me, let me do it. And what they're saying is, I may not be moving as fast as you're moving. I may not be moving as fast as you want me to move, but I'm making progress and I'm moving a whole lot better than I used to be moving. Hear me. Some of you need to encourage yourself. Your life may not be moving forward as fast as you want it to be moving, but at least you're making progress. Come on. You ever heard those old preachers say, you may not be where you want to be. But thank God, at least you're not where you used to be. But then it gets to the place where I'm no longer holding on to walk up, no longer moving slowly. I can now. What is it with kids that they don't quit until they could run? They're like, walking isn't enough. I, I, need, I need to be able to run. Especially some of y'all got some big-headed little kids, and all they got to do is start leaning forward, and the head just pulls them. <laughs> And they're like, I'm not satisfied until I'm running faster than my parents. Last night, my Roman, he's five years old. He said, Daddy, I'm faster than you. I'm like, you're not faster than me. Daddy, I'm faster than you. I said, Roman, let's race. So we line up. He said, Daddy, I'm going to beat you. He said, no, I'm not. We said, on your mark, get set. When we said go, I picked him up, threw him on the ground. And I, <laughs> I said, you may be faster, but you ain't smarter than me. <laughs> they don't give up until they can run faster faster than the parent that gave them as it is in the natural so it is in every other area of your life everything starts in a stage of um i'm 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 figuring i, I was talking to somebody yesterday that just got married and they said pastor you didn't tell me it was going to be like this i said what and ruin the fun no come on isn't it amazing how before you got married you knew everything there is to know about marriage When I get married, come on, tell the truth. You ever grew up looking at your parents' marriage and saying, I ain't going to do it like that. When I grow up, I'm a, and then you grew up and you got married and you're like, bruh, they didn't tell me it was going to be like, because it's something, it's a new experience. And those first few months, years of marriage are like, okay, don't say the wrong thing. Don't do it. Me as I got married, she tells the story, so I'm allowed to tell it. And and she found out that I like chocolate, so she started making me brownies every day, <laughs> every single day. And she's like, he loves brownies because every time I come home, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone, all right. I just didn't eat. If we were three months in. I was like, I got it. I didn't know how this marriage thing went. I should tell her. I should tell her. I'm just, I'm like, three months in before I finally said, I hate brownies. <laughs> she was crushed. It made me a brownie sense. I'm like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't say hate, like, you, you're just sick. But if you do it long enough, after a while, year 14 or 24, I don't know which one it is, you, 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 we, we figure this thing out. We, 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 we've got kind of unity of we're not to the stage where we're finishing each other's sentences yet, but we're we're vibing. We, 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 we've got shared vision. We've got shared goals. When, when we get into arguments, we calm down after three hours, not three days. <laughs> and if you invest in that marriage long enough. You get out of the, the holding on balance stage. You get out of the got to get our core. And you get to the stage where, where the Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase tens of thousands. You get to the place where you're finishing each other's sentences. There's such a synergy. There's an acceleration that takes place. It happens in, it happens in your finances. Remember when you left your parents' house and they stopped paying your bills? And that first, man, I remember, my, my, don't judge me, my first student loan payment came in six months after I graduated college. 
I said, parent plus loan. Okay, it got nothing to do with me. Threw it on his <laughs> They were calling me on the phone. I said, tell them I'm not here. I was learning. You got to pay for that thing. They're going to come and find you, or they're going to turn your credit score into a single-digit number. <laughs> Every area of your life, you, 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 you learn, and you progress, and you mature. Until you finally get your stride. Until you start running. Until you start accelerating. Union Church, God sent me this morning to let you know you are about to hit your stride. Some of you have just felt, I'm just kind of holding my way along. He said, don't give up because there's a supernatural acceleration that is getting ready to come to your life. Some of you are like, man, I'm making progress. I'm just not moving as fast as I want to move. God said, don't give up. There is a supernatural acceleration that is getting ready to come to your life. There's stages. I got to get my balance. Got to get my coordination. And then I've got to get my agility. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Hear me. When you first come to Christ, growing and walking as a Christian is kind of like, I'm figuring this thing out. I love, I love God, but don't test me, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm getting my balance, okay? I'm not that, I'm not that stable. I fall sometimes. Let you, let you put a ding in my door at Arundel Mills Mall and not leave me a note of where you come from. And there might be some words that come out of my mouth that aren't pleasing and glorifying to God, but I'm, I'm getting there. Tracking with me. There's a season of your faith where I'm no longer holding on. What does it look like when I'm holding on? It means that if I'm around Christians, I'm going to act like a Christian. But if I'm not, I'm liable to do anything and say anything. But then there's a season where my environment doesn't dictate my walk. I, I'm so committed to God. I'm, make, I'm not moving as fast as I want to. Can I be honest with you? Most Christians never get to the acceleration part of their faith. Most Christians stay stuck in the I am what my environment dictates. It's because someone lied to us and say, if we keep coming, it'll change us. All I've got to do is sit in the building. And if I sit in the building long enough, I'll figure it out. You ever met somebody who was saved for 30 years and they mean as I don't know what? It ain't working. Whatever they're doing, it ain't working. It ain't working. I still don't like it. Okay. I'm going to say something crazy. <laughs> I already told our social media team, don't repost this. <laughs> we might cut this off of YouTube. This, the, everybody's pull the camera out. Okay, let's see what this dummy about to say. <laughs> this one of them statements that'll get you canceled as a preacher, but... But I'm going to go there and then I'll clean it up over the message. Okay, y'all ready? The Bible don't work. What did he say? Let me say it again. The Bible doesn't work. It's called a pregnant pause. You got you to let it be awkward for a moment. The Bible doesn't work unless you know how to work it. Say that. The Bible doesn't work unless you know how to work it. In other words, if I don't know how to get what's in there into me and allow it to change me, I could read it till I'm blue in the face and it does nothing in my life. That's why you can have a professor at a seminary teaching about a Bible that he or she doesn't even believe. A lot of seminary professors are atheists. Because I can read something, but if I don't know how to work it, come on now, then I won't see the results. That, so here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes. I'm going to teach you how to work God's word so that it actually results in his kingdom in your life. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and you've heard me read this verse a million times. It says, don't do what the world does. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed. By changing the way that you think, then you will be able to test. And here's, 
Your life should prove that God's way is better. Leave the verse up. Let me go on a rant just for a second. If you are doing things God's way and other people are not, your life should look better than theirs. If your life does not look better than theirs, why would I want your God? He said, no, you've got to change the way that you think so that your life can test and prove. Watch this. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. There's levels to my experience in God. It's good, pleasing, and then, can I give you an example? It's good. I'm figuring it out. It's pleasing. And then it's the, the perfect will. By the way, that word perfect doesn't mean without mistakes. That word perfect means fully mature walking in my destiny, walking in the Kairos moments of God. And my prayer is that every believer doesn't just live in a good place. They don't just live in a pleasing place, but you see the perfect, the mature of God has for in every single area of your, can we go a little bit deeper? So we're working our balance, then our coordination, then our agility. Good, pleasing, perfect. Last week, we learned that we serve one God that demonstrates himself in three different ways. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Good, pleasing, perfect. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can I give you the whole message, and then I'll preach it at the end? There's three different ways that you need to interact with the Bible. And these three different ways will dictate whether you see the fullness of God in your life. Somebody say, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Talking about the Bible, right? God the Father, obey him. The first interaction with the Bible is we've got to obey. Tracking? God the Son, apply the word emulate Jesus. We should look to live like Jesus. And then God, the Holy Spirit, somebody say activate. I've got to learn to obey the Bible. I've got to learn to apply the Bible. And then I've got to learn how do I activate God's word in my life. Three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. First one is just write this down. We, we, we got to start somewhere. We must start so there's something about children. They want to run before they can walk. I, I, can't, I can't even figure out this walking thing, but I'm ready to take off. We, we, listen, we're trying to figure out this parenting thing. Me and my wife, we don't have it down pat. She's worse than I am, so we're doing all right. <laughs> we have three kids, seven, five, and two, girl, boy, girl, and we got them Christmas gifts this year. The two oldest, five and seven, <clears throat> excuse me, they've got their coordination a little bit. So we got them like little scooters that they sit on. And I mean, those things are super fast. So they're flying around them, skidding in their scooter and all that. But our two-year-old, she's a little bit younger. We were worried about her like crashing into a wall. So we got her a pony with wheels on it and no motor. So the oldest two are in the basement. Zoom, and our two-year-old is... And she's looking at her siblings, zooming around, and Jake, she did it for about two minutes. She gets off the pony. She doesn't have Jesus yet. She was still working on her. She is not a Christian. <laughs> two, pushes the pony over. Daddy, I don't want it. I said, JD, what's wrong? She said, it's not fast like Zoe. <laughs> we want to start with fast, but you've got to start somewhere. You get around people that want to sound spiritual. They'll, they'll, let me tell you about the book of Revelations and how the fourth angel poured out judgment on the world. And I actually think that, okay, calm down with Revelations. Okay, we'll get there. Calm down with what this prophecy means. And let's just start at the, can I give you what the beginning is? Obey. Before you find prophecies in here, before you find what the biblical reference for the Nephilim and this and that and all the... How about you just stop lying? That part. <laughs> Come on now. 
What do you think Jesus was referencing when he said that just as Jonah was in the bed? Okay, don't worry about that. How about you just love your neighbor as thyself? There's a lot in this book, and we're going to get to all of it. But let's just start with do what it says. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, when I said the Bible doesn't work unless you work, and some of y'all got real, especially religious folks, I don't think he should joke like that. <laughs> well, guess what? The Bible agrees with me because look what it says. It says if you're a hearer and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. You know what that means? The Bible says, if you just read me and don't do what I say, you think you're going to change. You won't. So you're fooling yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself going away, which is immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into, watch this, the perfect law of liberty. Look what the Bible calls it says. I'm a book of freedom, not of bondage. Some of y'all have believed the gospel from the devil, so you think that God's word is restrictive. It's stuff, and it's a killjoy. If I live like the Bible tells me to live, I can't have any fun. No, that's where freedom is. If you'll do, and continue in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. Watch this. This one will be blessed in what he does. Starts with, but if you said it, come on, old saints. I believe it. And that settles it. Well, Pastor, <clears throat> I, um, I just don't agree uh, with the word. I think I can live with someone that I'm not married to. <laughs> we love each other, okay? We love each other. And <laughs> why am I using this voice? I don't know. But I love God, okay? And, and God... God knows my heart, okay? God knows my heart, okay? Esther, what do you think about, can I, can, I, can I help you out? Whenever we start a sentence when it comes to God's word with what do you think, ain't, ain't much good coming after that. God gives you a brain. He wants you to use your brain. Somebody say amen. I'm not saying to blindly accept whatever God tells you. He's going to give you the why behind it. You've got to understand. He wouldn't tell you this, but I'll tell you this. He don't care what you think. <laughs> okay, let me give you a Bible. Isaiah, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than you. He said, are the heavens are high. That's how high my ways are above your ways. God says, I don't care if you agree with me, I just need you to obey. Come on now. If your kids say, Daddy, I want to play in the street, and they're four. Daddy, I can see the cars coming. I'm old enough. What are you saying if you're a real father? I don't care what you think you can handle. If you don't bring your hide on this sidewalk. I will make you disappear and make a... Okay, okay, now we're getting a job. Anyway, <laughs> you're trying... And, and, and because it's 2024, and we, didn't lost, we lost our mind back in 2020, so it's, this ain't new. Now we've got people that are saying, I can love God and still live any way I want to live. Okay, well, let's ask him. What did he think? Here's what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Dad, Pastor, this is where you're going? Yeah, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. The blessing is if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Can I, can I, can I, we're going to laugh in a second. We're going to laugh in a second. But we're going to get a little gangster just for a second. Is that cool? God, God, God has zero interest in cursing you and he does not curse you. But you curse yourself. Come on now. I don't believe in karma. 
But here's what I do believe. As the man sows, he also shall reap. And if I obey God, I see the blessings of God. And if I say, God, know my heart. (laughs) He knows your heart. And his heart is going to break for your heart as life is kicking your tail. Because hear me, he said, if you don't do it my way, you're not going to like the results. It starts with obedience. Here's the problem. Most Christians don't know how to obey God. And the, oh, now when I say older saints, I'm not talking about old folks. I'm just talking about the people who got saved before you. They didn't teach you how to obey God right. You know how they taught you to obey God? Don't do that. That's wrong. That's sin. You're going to hell. (laughs) The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Not the condemnation. Not that you rashly get yourself together. You're a mess. Your mama's a mess. Your grandma's a mess. Here's how the Bible says to learn how to love God. John chapter 14, verse 15 says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. God said, let me teach you how to obey me. If you love me, keep. Now, hear me. You can read that verse and still miss what God is saying. Here's what I find. For many of us, it's not that we don't understand the Bible. It's that we don't understand English. Here's what I mean by that. Thanks for leaving the verse up, guys. Don't just read the words. Read the commas. Where's the comma? If you love me, comma, keep my commandments. Can, 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 I, can, I, can I explain? Let me add a word that will help you understand. Here's what he's saying. If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. The focus is on love, not on obeying the commandments. In other words, God says, all I need you to do is fall in love with me. And if you fall in love with me, doing things my way will make sense. And if you don't fall in love with me, obeying me is going to feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulder. Boy, I want to cuss you out, but I can't because I love God. What kind of living is that? Oh, you lucky I'm saved. Come on, you ever said that? God says, no, I just, I just need you to... F- can, I, can I just be real for a second? If you're struggling with sin, it's not sin you're struggling with. It's love for God. And we've taught you run from sin, run from sin, run. Can I say something you probably never heard a preacher say? And you're like, forget about the sin for a second. Just fall in love with God. Because when you fall in love with God, yes, you do have to control, but you get what I'm saying. If you are lying, whatever, sin, we all got our own proclivities. (laughs) The issue is you lost sight of how much God loves you. And my prayer is God would remind you. It's one thing when you do something that other people think you shouldn't do. It's one thing when you do something that people tell you, I wouldn't do. It's a completely different ballgame when you disappoint yourself. I think we've all been there before. You ever said something that when you heard it come out of your mouth, it felt like an out-of-body experience? Because you're like, I didn't know I could be that mean. You ever done something that could have been decades ago, you still think about it and you hope nobody ever finds out? Because that's not me. And to think about the fact that he knows. And instead of being disgusted with you and saying, how could you? He ran towards you. And he said, I love you so much. I'm going to shed my blood so that that can never come back to hurt you. And he's, you, some of us see ourselves based on the mistakes that we've made, and we don't even realize God doesn't see you that way anymore. He sees you the same way he sees his perfect son, Jesus Christ, because of his blood on what you realize he loves me. Why don't you lie? 
because somebody loves me so much, I don't want to disappoint them. He said, let's start with obeying me. And obey me. Don't, 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 don't worry about the rules. Worry about falling in love with me. Second thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Walking out the word is a game changer. Walking out the word is a game. What do I mean by that? Step number one is obeying the word of God. And let me slow down and give it to you this way. If I live a life, you, you'll, you'll never be perfect. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't say that loud of amen because somebody's like, all right, let's do this. No, no, no. My desire is to please him. At times I make a mistake. That's why the Bible says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all. On My desire to obey is an indication that I'm a Christian. Not my perfection, but the fact that, no, I do want to obey God. Are you preaching works? I'm not preaching works, but here's what I do know, that in order to be a Christian, I can't just believe in God. I must believe that he is the Lord of my life. Lord means he calls the shots. Does that make sense? So desiring to live a life pleasing to God is what makes me a Christian. But I can be a Christian going to heaven and still have a miserable life here on earth. Ooh. I could be a Christian loving God and obeying the word and still be broke. Let me talk to False Church because this is this, this tied up here. False Church, you with me? I could be a Christian desiring to honor God and obey him and still have a miserable marriage. It's quiet up in here. Let me just give you a Bible. Uh, somebody say, prove it, prove it, prove it. Okay, here we go. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel, you will wait. Let me slow down so we don't miss this. For by wise counsel... You will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. I'm not going to read it again. Proverbs 24, 6. You get it. It says, if you want to win, have smart people around you. So the Bible says, it says, you'll be safe when you let other people speak into your life. Tracking with me? Okay, let's play a little scenario. Let's say there's this guy. And there's this girl, they're single, met at Union Church in Grove Track. She didn't know what her spiritual gift was, so she looked on his sheet and she saw a leader. I like that, I like that, I like that. They exchange numbers, they start dating, boyfriend and girlfriend. He goes and buys a ring and gets on a knee and says, will you marry me? And they never asked anybody else, what do y'all think? Tracking? All right, we're going to work, we're going to work, we're going to work, we're going to work. You and me, lobby, overflow, everybody, show of hands. How many people think they sinned? Sin, sin, by not asking. Oh, y'all religious, God. Cool. How many people think they didn't sin? I didn't sin. You're allowed to date. You're, come on. They, I'm giving you an answer. They didn't sin, y'all. It's not a sin to ask somebody out, go on a date, and put a ring on it. So are you talking about did they sleep together? No, I'm just talking about. Yeah. I forget the ratchet church I'm preaching to, guys. Sorry. I got. Pastor, they probably did. I ain't going to lie to you. To preach anymore. Okay. Was it a sin for them not to ask anybody else's advice? No. Was it foolish? Did you get it? You good? Can we move on? I'm messing. I'm messing. Not everything in the Bible is sin or not sin. And we've been taught that the Bible is all about sin or not sin. So as long as we're not sinning, we don't consult God's word. Which means our life will forever be stuck at good and will never step into the pleasing will of God. 
Because if I'm going to step into a pleasing place, I've got to get past the, is this sin or not sin, into the place of, what would Jesus Come on, any 90s babies were in church in the 90s? They had a little wristband. Yo, they used to have a little wristband with WWJD. And the whole idea is when you're in high school, you're at the party, and everybody else is drinking, you're supposed to be like, what would Jesus do? No. <laughs> By the way, I was at the party. It didn't work, y'all. It didn't work. <laughs> Some of us have been in church so long, we're too churched. When we think, what would Jesus do? We only think sin. It never crosses our mind. I've got two job offers in front of me. What would Jesus do? And taking one or the other is not sin. We've got to graduate out of the place where if it's not sin, I just run head. Okay, I got two job offers in front of me. I don't know which one to take. What would Jesus do? Well, based on Proverbs 24, Jesus would ask somebody in the field who's been there before what they know about these different companies and these different offers. Jesus would have wise counsel around him because he said there's safety in wise counsel. I've got two houses that I want to purchase. I don't know which one to purchase. Which Neither of them are sin. One of them might be dumb, though. And if I apply the wisdom of God's word to my life, I'm now going to start seeing the results of heaven in my life. And what breaks my heart are there are so many Christians who love God, obey his word, and they're not getting any results. Because they've never gotten past the is it sin or is it not sin. Can I, can I really mess with you, Sean? You come out on your panel. I'm almost a God's word works so well. People who don't believe in God can get great results from it. You're tracking with me. The before T. Rowe Price told you, the Bible told you, diversify your portfolio. What Proverbs says? It says, spread your seed in multiple places. For you do not know which will bring. Before TikTok told you about passive income, multiple streams of income. It was in God's word to the point where I could get results from the Bible that I don't even believe in. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of people in the world want nothing to do with God in the church, why would I want to be a part of something where my life looks better and I'm already getting the results that they're hoping and praying for? I can't just obey God's word, but I've got to apply it, not the sinner, the wisdom side of it to my life. Last thing is this, write this down, write this down. Sean, you ready? I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, you're, you're, you're ready now. Let's go. My words are an accelerator. My words. Are, so here's what I need to do. I need to first obey God's word. It's God the Father. Then I need to apply the word. That's God. I need to emulate Jesus. Then I've got to activate the word. What is that? I've got to let my words accelerate the promises of God in my life. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 30 says this. It is written. I believed. Therefore, I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith. We also believe, therefore we speak. I remember Abram is way at the beginning of the message, a long time ago. Abram, come outside. Count the stars if you can. You may have no children right now, but you're going to have more descendants than you can see in this star. It says, Abram believed God, and God says, I'm a credit to you as done. Just because God says it doesn't mean it's going to happen until you say, God, I receive it. I want it in my life. Abram said, how do I know you're going to give me all this land? God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Grab the animals. They get the animals. They cut them in half. They put them on two sides. And Abram and God walk through the two halves, representing we have now made a covenant of blood that cannot ever be broken. By the way, it's baptism Sunday. 
Can I tell you what the first baptism in the Bible was? It was Moses stretching his staff over the Red Sea. Somebody say two halves. God separating the water into two halves and God and an entire nation walking through the two halves. He was making a covenant with Israel. That's what water baptism is. It's sealing the covenant between you and God. He's doing the same thing here with Abram. They walk through the two halves, and here's what it says. It says vultures came. Obviously, there's raw meat. Vultures eat dead meat. Vultures come to eat what represents God's promise to Abram. And Abram had to stay up all night fighting off the vultures from stealing the promise that God had made him. Later, two weeks from now, I'm going to teach you how to see the different images in Scripture. Not everything is as it appears. For example, all of us know when there was a snake in the garden talking to Eve, it wasn't just a snake. It was the serpent, Satan. Tracking? I'll teach you how to do that in two weeks, but let me just give you the cheat code now. When the Bible says vultures, it wasn't talking about birds. Just like when it said snake, it wasn't talking about snakes. Biblically, those vultures represented demonic spirits. Every time God makes a believer a promise, the enemy is right there trying to steal your faith and keep you from believing that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And if you don't know how to fight off the enemy from stealing what God said he's going to do, even though he said it, your faith is now stolen and you'll never see it come to pass in your life. How do I fight off the enemy? Well, here's Jesus in the wilderness, and Satan says, if you're God, God already told him that you're my son. He said, if you're God, make this stone into bread. On day eight of a fast, don't that sound good? Don't that sound good? If I could just, if I could just get a piece of bread right now. How did Jesus fight off the enemy? It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of my father. After three times, it says that the enemy fled from Jesus. How do I get the enemy to get off of my kids, off of my marriage, off of my money, off of my business, off of my health? It doesn't work if you just say, go away. It doesn't work. And you say, I'm not, no, that's not fair. It works when you take the living and active and all-powerful two-edged sword and say, Satan, you have no authority over my children because the Bible says that as I've raised them up, they will not depart from this way. You have no authority over my finances because the Bible says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. I've got to learn how to activate this thing. And I activate it by saying, God said it. And because he said it, it will come to pass in my, and when I do that, the enemy flees from my life. Okay, here's the wrap-up. Y'all ready? I've got to obey it. I've got to apply it. And I've got to activate it. Based on how you grew up in church, most of us were only taught one of the three. Some of us, okay, don't raise your hand, but I'm talking about you. Some of us grew up in a decree and declare church. You know what I'm talking about? I will not be broke another day in my decree and declare. And this is my favorite one. From the north and the south and the east. And I call in provision. I call in supernatural increase and abundance. Miraculous checks in the mail. (laughs) You know how to speak the word over your life. You just don't know how to write a budget. So you know what happens? It comes in from the north and the south and the east and the west, and it goes right back out from the north and the south. And you've got nothing to show for it. Come on now. And then some of us grew up in a word church. I believe the word of God. So when it comes to your money, you have tithed before you got a job. I ain't ain't stealing God's money. I believe in the tithe. You in the club twerking, but you still hold on. I got to pay my time. Just (laughs) because you know how to obey the word of God. 
but nobody taught you how to activate. So after you pay your tithe, you've never decreed anything in your life. You've never asked God to do anything supernatural in your life. And all the money that you look for, you worked for it, you earned it, you budgeted it, you stood it, and you can't point to one miracle. Because I've been living out one part. It's not, I've got to obey it. Somebody say, obey the word. But then I've got to apply it. And I've got to activate it. No, there's a supernatural aspect to this. And when I do all of it, I see the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God in my life. Come on, can you take about 10 seconds and just praise God and thank him that it may be good right now, but he's taking it to pleasing. It may be pleasing right now, but I will see the perfect will of God in my life. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. For some of us, we just got to get back to, oh, just do what the book says. For some of us, we're living lives of obedience, but not of wisdom. God, teach me how to apply your word. Some of us, all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed. We, we just haven't activated our faith over a situation. But for some of us, we haven't even started at the beginning, which is a relationship with Jesus. Question for you. Are you in love with Jesus? I'm not inviting you to a place that will give you a whole bunch of rules for your life a list of do's and don'ts. I'm inviting you into a relationship with a God that knows who you are and he still loves you. He still wants you and he still has a plan and a purpose for your life. I grew up in church my whole life. I learned all the rules, but I didn't know the God of the rules. Maybe you're new to this and you didn't even know that God cares about you. Well, he does. He doesn't just care. He loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's waiting for you to invite him in. Wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I can't say I know Jesus the way you're talking about, but I, I need him in my life right where you're sitting. You can make that decision right now. Let's pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you see me, that you know me, and that you love me. I believe that it was your body it was your blood on that cross that purchased my freedom. My sin, my mistakes are erased because of your sacrifice. And in this moment, I surrender. I give you control of my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever?